second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 22, and we're looking at verses 23 through 33. And you can find that in your Pew Bibles on page 1535. Matthew 22, verses 23 through 33. That same day, And yet, they refused to believe. And if you recall, his rebuke came in the form 
business. It doesn't, it doesn't come from the government. It, it comes from his identity. His identity as an image bearer of God. You see, the governments of this world, they can take your money, they can take your land, and they can even take away your freedoms. But what they cannot take is your very soul. For you have been stamped with the image of God, and your whole being belongs to Him. And now today we have come to the second of these three theological challenges, and this time it's the Sadducees' turn. Look, look at our first verse, look at verse 23. That same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Him with a question.
appearances of angels. And they did not believe in the concept of a life after death. They thought that a man lived once and then that was it. Both the body and the soul perish after death. And this all leads us to this convoluted question that they posed to Jesus. Let's, let's look at this question. Look at verses 24 through 28. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seventh, since all of them were married to her? This sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, doesn't it? And it wouldn't surprise me if they meant it that way. For, for what they were trying to convey was the notion that, that, that the resurrection was absurd. That if people were, were to really rise from the dead, then it, it would just cause chaos everywhere. And the way they pointed this out was by re referring to the Mosaic Law. L look at Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 and 6. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. This is what is known as a leveret marriage. Today, when we think of marriage, we tend to think mostly of the love between a man and a woman. We don't typically think of the preservation of a name and everything that that entails. But back then, that was of vital importance. And a big, a big portion of marriage was the expectation of an heir, the expectation of a son, someone who would receive the inheritance and preserve the family lineage. And yet if the husband died and there was no son, then it was the responsibility of the husband's brother to produce an offspring in his brother's name. Someone who could claim that inheritance of the deceased. Now this example that the Sadducees gave, though they claimed it was one of their own, it was more likely a hypothetical situation that they put forth. I mean, here we have seven brothers and this one woman, all right? All of whom, they, they obeyed God. They did what God told them to do. And yet, if the, if the resurrection was true, if they would all rise from the dead, then they would be stuck in this quandary. Whose wife would the woman be? For legally speaking, she would have seven husbands. She'd be trapped in a polyandrous relationship. was 
Christian, then he could avoid this issue of polyandry altogether. And yet, he would have proven himself to be a false prophet because he had already been preaching about the judgment of God that would come at the resurrection. Yet, if Christ continued with his teaching, then the Sadducees could claim that his preaching legitimizes polyandry, which would then discredit him among the masses. And so the snare had been set, and it seemed that our, that our Lord had been trapped. But let's see Jesus' response. Look at verse 29. Jesus replied, You are in error, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. This theological trap that the Sadducees had set was doomed for failure before it even began. For these so-called religious leaders knew neither the scriptures nor the power of God. They didn't know the scriptures because they had reduced God's word to only the five books of Moses. And as we'll soon see, even, even their reading of those books was flawed. They didn't know the power of God because they had rejected God's eminence, that he was still actively and intimately involved with his creation. And because of this, they had reduced God's word to a basic moralism, a moralism that revolved around the temple system. How many of us today struggle with this same issue, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God?
Jesus said. Rather, he said that we will be like the angels. Like them in certain aspects, such as having bodies that will be immortal, not subject to death or decay. And just as angels do not procreate, neither will humans have any need to do so after the resurrection. And this is why the institution of marriage will no longer be in effect, for there will be no need for it. It is why when we take our vows, we say, until death do us part, and not for all eternity. Now, for some of you, I know this passage may seem troubling, because you love your spouses so much. And I get it. I, I don't want my marriage to end either. I want to stay with Kim past this life and on to the next. But that's not how it works. It's not what God has planned for us. So if this passage troubles you, let me try to, let me try to ease some of your words. Let me assure you that after the resurrection, your love for your spouse will not be less than it is now, but it will be greater. Your relationship will not be weaker, but it will grow stronger. And it will be healthier than it is now. I mean, how could it not be? Since both of you will be without sin. Yet your devotion for that person will, will, will be lessened. Your devotion will rather be focused upon God. Your love for Him will become primary. And all other relationships, though they, they will be stronger than they were before, will take a backseat. Because you will be in his presence. And this too is how we will be like the angels. For God will be the one who will be the fulfillment of all of our relational needs. And this is the hope of the gospel, is it not? It's why Christ came in the first place. It's why he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. That we might be restored to that right relationship with God Almighty. That we might see Him face to face and be like the angels who live in His presence. That is our hope. That is our victory in Jesus Christ. But it can only come about if we repent and trust in Him. And that is why it is so important that we know the scriptures and the power of God. Sadly, the, the Sadducees knew neither. Let's look further into our passage as Jesus continues to his rebuke. Look at, look at verses 31 and 32. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Here, Jesus uses the words of Moses to show these Sadducees the error of their ways. He, he challenges them by quoting from the book of Exodus. Now, there are plenty of other clear Old Testament texts that describe the resurrection. Jesus could have quoted from Ezekiel, or from Daniel, or from Isaiah. But that's not what he did. No. Instead, he is patient with these men. He chooses a text of scripture.
Scripture that they would accept as God's Word. He chose the book of Exodus because it was written by Moses. And by doing this, he thus demonstrated that, that even there, even in the books that these men revered, their knowledge of the Scriptures and the power of God was lacking. You see, Moses implicitly wrote concerning the resurrection. Look at it, Exodus 3, verses 5 and 6. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The verb in this passage is present tense. This means that when Moses walked the earth, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, though they had been dead for hundreds of years, were still alive. And they are still alive today as well. Though their bodies lay in the ground, their souls live on in God's presence. Yahweh is not the God of the dead, but of the living. I hope you see that. That death is not a finality. It's not the end of your story. For God will preserve your soul as you await the resurrection of your body at Christ's return. Then you will once again become whole, both body and soul. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the one who paid the penalty for all of your sins, then on that day you will rejoice. For your new body will be incorruptible, and you will dwell in the presence of your God forever. You will be like the angels in heaven. But if you have not put your trust in the only one who can save you, if you have not repented and fallen under the authority of Jesus Christ, then that day will not be one of rejoicing. Rather, it will be a day of turmoil and suffering. For your sins will, will not have been forgiven, and you will be the one who will have to pay for them. And this would be the fate of these Sadducees if they refuse to repent, if they refuse to submit to Christ's authority. You see, they knew neither the scriptures nor the power of God, and thus they did not recognize Jesus. Look at our last verse. Look at verse 33. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. The crowds were astonished. Yet Matthew mentions nothing of the Sadducees or their response. Most likely they were unconvinced. For they knew neither the scriptures nor the power of God. They lacked the, the proper theological knowledge and thus they had no faith in the only one who could save them. I mean, think about this situation. Here was Jesus right before them. God had taken upon human flesh and was standing there in front of their eyes. And yet, because of their worldview, a worldview that And they had little imagination for a God who could be among 
scriptures where you can find Him. And it is in the power of God that you will find hope in the resurrection. Trust in Christ and in His saving power. Let us pray. Father, every time we open up your word, we are reminded of how actively involved you are in our lives. For we get to hear the story of your redemptive work, how you rescued us. And for that, we are truly thankful. We ask that today you would move among us by the strength of your Holy Spirit. That you would put within us a, a desire to know your word more fully and to believe in your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.